Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Mel. And I'm Trish. And this is the Don't Give a 50 podcast. Let's make getting old the new gold, as oh, you say. I like that. I like that one too. That was mine. I think that was mine. Hi, 50 Ishers. It's Mel and Trish. Welcome back to this week's episode of Don't Give a 50, a podcast for midlife women who dare to be awesome and just don't give a 50 like us. Thanks so much to those of you who have written reviews on past episodes. We read them all and we love them all. We've had a couple of 50 Ishers ask how they actually go about writing a review. And to be honest, until recently, we didn't have a clue. So (laughs) I did a bit of a step through for you a couple of weeks ago, but I'm just going to redo that. So bear with me. If you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, you need to search Don't Give a 50 and launch the page. It will come up with our logo and a list of episodes. If you scroll down, you will see a heading, ratings and reviews. Keep scrolling and you will see a subheading in purple that says write a review. Click on that and you're all set. Now, and if just you... say you're 15 awesome, five stars. Thank you very much for coming. <laughs> That's all you have to do. If you listen on Google Podcasts or Spotify Podcasts and know how to rate or review, can you write and let us know because we don't have a clue. So today's episode, we are so grateful and extremely honoured to be able to share with you today's amazing guest, Dr. Michelle Nielsen, also known as Dr. Mika. Dr. Mika has a strong background in health, wellness, and spirituality, which include 28 years' experience as a wellness doctor. Her vast achievements include not only being a best-selling published author, but also a highly sought-after international speaker. She has co-presented to sold-out auditoriums with the likes of the world-renowned Dr. Joe Dispenza, 
a co-author with the late Dr. Wayne Dyer, and is a frequent television guest and contributor for many well-known media outlets such as The Huffington Post and Cosmopolitan Magazine. Her best-selling book, Manifesting Matisse, introduces the Master Manifesto Program, a simple 10-step process teaching people how to achieve their goals using their body, mind and spirit. Dr. Mika draws from deep personal experience with a broad range of healing modalities from across the globe. She's passionate about sharing her many stories and experiences to help others on their path of healing and personal development, goal manifesting, meditation, and female empowerment. She has also condensed her three decades of study, work, and immersion in personal development into an effective and rapid technique called metamorphic accelerated therapy. She spices up her interesting and international life with being the mother of two delightful teenagers and looking for the best kite surfing spots around the globe. And fun fact, Michelle grew up in a small town in Canada. Her first trip overseas at age 13 was to Outback Australia, which turned her into a self-confessed travel addict. She's worked in 10 different countries and currently lives in Barcelona. Warm Australian welcome to you, Dr. Mika. Hello. Hi. Well, thank you. Good day or good evening to you all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was just saying to Dr. Mika before we started recording that I feel like I already know her because I have listened to many of her guided meditations. So yeah. she has been with me and put me to sleep on many occasions. <laughs> so it's lovely. Yeah, the voice we've been, is we've been to so bed familiar. together. We've sure, been to bed yeah, together yeah, so yes. many times. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Dr. Mika, what an yeah. absolutely fascinating life you have led. I've just got so many questions. But today we would love to learn more from you about the phenomenon of manifesting, the belief that we have the ability to purposely manifest the life of our dreams. Mel and I talk often on this mm. podcast about the woo-woo factor. Now, I'm all for it. Yeah. I embrace it. I love going down that rabbit hole. It's a fairly new rabbit hole for Mel <laughs> and some of our audience. So, yeah, we, yeah. we look forward to... Um, I want to hear more. Hearing more. Yeah, well, I think we've all had an experience where, where you just know that you're on track and hooked up to your deep inner passion and your purpose, and it just changes your energy somewhat. And then you just stay on that path and suddenly these wonderful coincidences start to occur and synchronicities and you meet the right people at the right time. And it just sort of keeps that train going. So really manifesting is just about how to make those wonderful synchronicities and coincidences more frequent and more conscious. And what is the, what is actually going on with that? And what is the practice of that? And there is a slight woo-woo factor, but I mean, you speak to any highly left brain or scientific person. I mean, everybody's had those wow experiences and synchronicities and, you know, those life changing moments of meeting the right person at the right time or somebody handing you the right book at the right time sets your life on a new and delightful path. So really what we're talking about is just breaking down, breaking down those coincidences and how to make them more conscious and more frequent. And recognize them rather than thinking it's a coincidence, actually recognizing them as something that has yeah. been manifested. Yeah, exactly. By the and I mean, I have to admit too, because I, I also have a scientific brain. So my, my brain kind of goes like back and forth to like, oh, this is too woo woo. And but then <laughs> the manifesting keeps happening. So I do embrace it. 
But the only thing I do want to get across is that even though I have developed a system and received hundreds of testimonials and had wonderful stories about the manifestations that have occurred, I definitely do not want to give the impression because I know some people, when they hear these manifesting principles, they think it's almost like a form of laziness. Like, oh, well, I want X, I want Y, and I'm just going to write my, you know, I'm just going to say it or put a universe. picture up. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I mean, the truth is, I mean, ever manifested or, or gone my life. I mean, I've also worked really, really hard. And, but it's a different kind of work when you're passionate and you're really, and you're really pursuing your dream. You know, it's more like divine inspiration. You, you're, you're working. It doesn't feel like work. And, you know, that's the most beautiful thing in life, I think, mm. is to, to find those things that you're passionate enough about. And that's where I believe the magic is. And there's something that happens energetically. I mean, we can break down any material thing. We can break it down to the atoms and the protons and the electrons and break it down smaller and smaller and smaller to the level of the quantum level. And we see that everything actually is this vibrational energy. So when we're in different points in our life and when we're in a different space emotionally and when we're more connected with our passion and our heart, it does change our energy. Mm. And that energy just attracts higher vibrational energy, attracts higher vibrational experiences and higher vibrational opportunities and higher vibrational people. And I've seen that play out in so many different ways in my life. Yeah, we've yeah. had we've talked about that before. Kind of, it's almost like it, it's when you are like that or doing something that you love and things are going well. It's like you got you're in flow. Everything seems to flow well when it's all yeah. The flow, quickly. I think, is the key word. There's a wonderful book by a Russian gentleman that you can't pronounce his name, <laughs> and well, it's about getting in that flow state. Yeah, and it's called flow. And okay. you know, these are the states that. People like uh, Einstein talk about or George O'Keefe or wonderful artists. You know, when you're in that space where time just literally disappears and you're just so connected, almost like channeling creativity or writing or music. And, you know, that really is the most beautiful feeling in the world. Because that is the thing, isn't it? And um, sorry, Mel, I just cut you off, but... It's not a new concept, is it? You know, you talk about Einstein and and people from the past. And there have been many documentaries, movies and books throughout the years on the law of attraction and manifesting, harnessing the ability to create the life you desire. You know, it is intriguing. It's fascinating. And for many, a powerful way of life. And um, your brilliant book, Manifesting Matisse, I found very riveting. Yep, there's still a lot of people out there who are uncertain and sceptical of the validity of manifesting. Potentially, I think maybe it's too mysterious for them to comprehend and a lot of them just go, oh, it's just a coincidence. How do you help those people to understand manifesting and and what it is? Well, I think, I mean, in my book, I go a lot more into the science of it and you know, in today's modern world, we're not as, as controlled or we're not as run by uh, religion. When you go back hundreds of years, yes. yep. I mean, you know, it was yes. the church and it religion. Dominated. And I mean, everybody went to church mm-hmm. and your spirituality was in the hands 
of somebody else and and people went to church to look for answers. Well, many people, I think, in today's modern world have become somewhat disillusioned with organized religion or perhaps even, I think it's also just because the, the, the village structure has kind of broken down. Everybody's like so spread out and you go, what do you need? You go overseas. And, yeah, so, and so we, you know, we don't really have those smaller communities. We don't really have the church was a big venture to go and look for answers. And so in today's modern world, the religion of where we look for answers is science. And we live, you know, the world has also become extremely left brain. And so, yeah, that's, that's where people, I think, really look for answers. You know, we don't go to the shaman in our village to steal us. Yes. You know, we don't go to the dream weaver chief to look for our spiritual answers. We, we live in such a left brain mechanistic society that people look for answers in science. Yeah, it's kind so of the, like we've been, mm. we've been jaded by religion. So the faith is always questioned. The new religion is science right yeah. now. So yeah. to answer your question for people who are skeptical, and I won't get into great detail here, but in, in my book, I, uh, it's very, very highly referenced. Yes. And so I, I go back to the science of almost everything I say, and that sort of helps people cross that bridge who are more skeptical or more left brain, more mechanistic and scientifically thinking to cross that bridge and be able to go over to this sort of more right brain and just having faith and believing hmm. side. And also just, you know, I think another thing I try and encourage people to do is just take baby steps, hmm. you know, just take, take little baby steps. Dr. Mika, just going back to that point that you and Trish were discussing before about flow, it, it obviously can't be a permanent state. So I'm assuming that you go in and out of flow because you wouldn't live permanently in flow, would yeah. you? That would be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah, would be really nice. Because when you were talking about it, I was thinking, oh, yeah, Yeah. give me that. (laughs) That's what I want. I want to be in flow. And then I was starting to think, "Mm, I've still got to get up and do washing. Well, the thing is, is I think, yeah, that's what happens. I mean, life comes around and and beats you up and, yeah. and yeah. you know, someone's got to, somebody's got to take out the garbage. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you, you, you essentially, you go in and out of flow. The ebb and flow. Yes. Oh, ebb and flow. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also something you have to, something you have to really fight for and prioritize, especially mm. as, a, as a woman. There's this one thing I heard once that really resonated with me is that, the dream of having it all for the modern woman, because you think about it, our generation, wow, look at all the rights we had education, but the dream of having it all also turned into the nightmare of doing it all. Yeah. So, so you know, yeah. we're raising saying- families, we're working, we're contributing to the, the family finances. And so especially for women, there's still a lot more expectation on women to be the caretakers and run the home and the family to some sense. And also just by nature, women are generally more empathetic and, and giving. So it's very hard to carve out this, you know, this me time, this flow time. Yeah. And so it's something you really have to be aware of and fight for and prioritize and value yourself enough to shut yourself off from the world, you know, turn the phone off, close the door, put a sign, you know, saying, I'm doing my art, I'm doing my writing, I'm doing whatever I'm doing. And 
So it is, you know, it is, um, there is purpose behind it. So you have to, as you said, you have to prioritize it and value it or value it first, I suppose, yes. and then prioritize it. Yeah. So it, you know, it becomes you're purpose. Baker and you're getting paid millions of dollars in Unless you're a rock star and you're getting paid oh, right, right. millions of dollars. I missed my calling. I should have been a rock star, but <laughs> yeah, I just, yeah, it didn't come my way. Yeah. <laughs> then people are paying you millions of dollars to just like have yeah. fun and be, yeah. be creative and adore you. So, yeah, I think we we maybe missed our calling as rock yeah. stars. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I had some of the moves back in the day, but yeah, <laughs> they don't look as good as what once did. The moves. But it's reflecting on what you have just said, it is, and I think that, that from what I gather about manifesting as well, it's that be careful what you wish for, it might come true. You yeah. know, with the life that women, we can have it all. You know, we can work, we can have children, we can do this and that. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, some wish for that. And then <clears throat> when we've got all of that, we can get very overwhelmed by all of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a constant balancing act, isn't it? Yeah. True. So we read that um, manifesting was something that you've always embraced, but there was a big change in how you used it and how it changed your life after your son was born. So could you share that story with us, please? Yeah, sure. I think innately I sort of embraced some of these principles as a young girl and, you know, I didn't come from a very affluent background. And so it's just like if I I wanted something, dream about it, imagine it, or anything lessons. And I just, I just seemed to be in, you know, flow for, for these, for these things. Ask, and then Dr. when I was Mika, young, when when you were young and you were playing with manifesting, did you come from a knowledge of it, or was it just something that you did well, and somebody, then you found somebody, afterwards that somehow it was... I stumbled, uh, somehow I stumbled onto this book. Uh, called Illusions by Richard Bach. It's like an old classic. Yeah. And he he didn't really write it in a step-by-step way, but I, I can't even remember what his technique was, but he was basically about like, you know, dreaming and attracting. And he talked about like imagining a blue feather. That was my first manifestation. So you read this book and it's all very poetic and everything. And then he's like, okay, so the way you're going to practice this, you're going to manifest a blue feather. And so that was my first knowledge base. And then, you know, sure enough, over the next week, I kept finding blue feathers everywhere. Uh, yeah. And and then at some point, my mother took me to this uh, event. <laughs> it doesn't sound as good. It's called the Silva Mind Control Technique. And Silva was this old Mexican gentleman. Anyways, he taught these seminars about visualization. So I guess I did have a knowledge base. Yes. So those are sort of my, my early my early days, so to speak. So I used to, Dr. Silva used to teach this technique of building sort of like a laboratory or like a special healing room in your mind. And then you just go to this dream-like state and just go in there and talk to people or imagine what you wanted or ask what you wanted. So, so yes, I, I did have somewhat of a knowledge base. But anyway, fast-forwarding that to with Matisse, So, I mean, up until that point, I had manifested many things, big and small, whether wonderful uh, travel, working opportunities, material things. And so I have had quite a lot of really wonderful stories. When I was pregnant with uh, my first son, so it was, I felt fine during the pregnancy. 
and it was August, and we were expecting to see somewhere around Halloween, end of October, November, and suddenly I was lying on this little Spanish beach, relaxing, and I got up, and suddenly I just felt this like tremendous liquid between my legs, and I just panicked and thought my water had broken here in August, so I knew this was not a good thing. And to my dismay, I looked down and there was this blood like hemorrhaging down my leg. So fast forward, I'm going, you know, in an ambulance, going to a hospital. Then I had to be transferred back to Barcelona because I realized how grave the situation was. And they essentially told me in the ambulance um, when I was being transferred to Barcelona, saying, look, we, we've got to get to Barcelona. We're going to end this pregnancy. The fetus is very, very small. It's probably not going to survive the trip. And we just want to let you know that it's all about saving your life right now. You know, there's I'm so very sorry little you went through that. That just would be... Yeah, it was, it was very, very scary. So, so in the hospital in Barcelona, they managed to save the fetus, the baby. Uh, and a fetus he was. So this little guy comes out and, well, they, you know, take him out put him in an incubator and you literally like to fit in your hand oh, wow. with less than 800 grams, less than a pound. And so he lived in, I lived in the hospital for quite some time with him and he lived in there for almost six months. And I mean, it was touch and go, touch and go, touch and go. So finally he, he graduates, you know, from the different, very intensive room to the, um, to the final room. And when he was two kilograms, we were able to take him home. So we took little Matisse home and what followed the five years afterwards was just so many issues I mean, surgeries. And I mean, there were so many complicating factors uh, with Matisse and, and he was sick all the time. And when we got to the point of, um, of taking him to um, when it was time to enroll in school, I took him, I had to take him to a special government center do a series of tests to determine whether or not he could enroll public school or not and or if he had to go to a special needs school and it was very very surreal like those five years were very surreal like you know when you're just going like this is not my life it was mm-hmm. almost like an out-of-body experience and I was just kind of like going through the motions and, and so after we did all these tests they gave Matisse the label and they basically you know gave him the government stamp that he was a special needs child and he wouldn't be going to uh, his regular school. And, you know, I came home that day and I just sat on the back porch and I just cried and cried and cried. And I was just like, what happened? Like, this is not my life. This is not what I signed up for. You know, I'm supposed to have this healthy, I'm a healthy background, healthy, bouncy baby. And then I just got really, really quiet and I did a nice, meditation and I just kind of reconnected with my peaceful self I just sort of came back into my body because after you had trauma you know you can kind of disconnect yeah and I was in that disconnected state for quite some time and then all of a sudden I just started by like locked on the side of the head by this idea which is like wait a minute you you know you're talking about this manifesting thing and you said you know like your whole life is was manifesting like wake up like what are you doing like why are you not doing it now and um so that just that moment changed everything so 
I just went inside and I just, I put my manifesting work in them. And that's when I decided to like break it down. I was like, okay, what is it that I do when it works? What are the steps? What is it when I do? And, you know, so I broke it down and then I just got busy into work. And so I wrote this like huge document of, my life, our life, our family life, and the teacher's life as a healthy, normal child. And I made a vision board and I made tapes with messages on them to say while you're sleeping at night and did hours and hours of meditation. And, and then I would go into these deep meditations and I would like visualize going into the teacher's brain and rewiring the neurons and healing different parts of his body and and on and on and on. And, um, you know, here we are. So here we are almost 20 years later. And I now have a wonderful, creative young man. And I mean, I'm going to cry right now. Oh I gosh. Okay, so the nice. moment for me that I knew, so I managed to get him into public school. So he went to normal school. I took him back to the, so a few years past. I took him back to the government center. They ran all the tests on him again. And I mean, just keep in mind too, when I left the hospital, they're like, you know, you're very lucky that your son survived, but we just want to let you know, he's probably either going to be deaf or blind or have cerebral palsy. So, you know, you need to understand you've got a special needs child. So I went back to this anyways, after the whole manifesting thing and, you know, he started to progress and speak. Before that, he wasn't even speaking he was six years old and he couldn't even say uh he would say mouth he would go and i mean anyways the stuttering everything went away and um i took him back at eight years old to the government center they ran all the tests on him and they removed the government label of a special needs child and they were like wow yeah, so I he don't went, know what happened. So he here, was eight when you enrolled him in the public school. He was eight when I went back to the government center and was able to get him into public school. Yes. Yeah, yeah, extraordinary. So, anyways, I'm going to cry here because I mean, the road with Matisse has been a, a little bit bumpy still compared to my, you know, my other daughter who was born without any issues. You know, there's a, there's a big difference yeah, when you're yes, born, of course. You know, as a fetus. But my little guy, I'm just in shock because I always worry as we do about our kids. And so he's graduating this year from grade 12 and he just got a scholarship wow. to go to a university in, in Sterling, Scotland. Oh my and gosh. I mean, yeah. I mean, Where there were moments where I didn't even think he would graduate from grade 12. Mm. So it's very powerful to think that, you know, his life, you were told that he would be special needs. And here he is, this independent man with a scholarship going to live abroad. Yeah. So who knows? Who knows what, um, how much of that is coincidence and woo woo, but, you know, they're magical to me. And yeah. Yeah. And it's your own self belief as well. Yeah. Could I just share another story about what you that, um, and, you know, this is related, but it also has to do with the power of belief. And when they do medical studies, the placebo, they factor in, in the scientific method, they factor in approximately 30% for the placebo effect. And so, anyways, one of the issues Matisse had 
was he had this problem with his heart, the electrical system of his heart, and he was having these sort of, it was very terrifying. He was having these like mini heart attacks. Oh, He'd have to direct the emergency from school. And anyway, so they finally figured out what was wrong and they had to replace something in his heart. We went to the hospital. He was in the hospital. He had all the pre-op done, rolled him down. He had the full anesthetic. I accompanied him right into the operating uh, room, was told to go upstairs and wait in his room for when his surgery was over after recovery. And, you know, after about four hours, the phone rings, phone getting tea, and he's in the room and he's having a quite a bad re- reaction to the anesthetic and vomiting. So it was like full on surgery. So the phone in the ring, the room in the hospital room rings again, and the head of the hospital says he wants to see me. So I was like now quite nervous. Mm. So I went to the office. I can't even imagine getting a call after everything you've been through. Yeah, and the surgeon was there and the top heart specialist. And they were like, we have good news and bad news. And I was like, yes, please tell me. Anyways, they said, well, uh, we opened up the teeth and did the surgery and what we thought was wrong with, with his heart was perfectly fine. So the bad news is we did surgery on your son for nothing oh. and we don't know what's causing these these issues. But the good news is is that what we thought was wrong was okay. And I mean, I was just cocktail of emotion became somewhat relieved but furious and I was like, Oh my god, oh, you put gosh. my son through that for nothing and etc. And I just read this book, The Power of the Placebo and the Power of the Mind and everything. So I looked at the head of the um, hospital in the eye and I said, I said, look, it, here's what you're going to do. You just operated my son for nothing. You know, that is to be very, very bad news for you. And I said, but you're all doctors and you know there's this thing called the placebo effect. And I said, so what you're going to do, you're going to march into my son's room, each of you, one at a time. You're going to look him in the eye and you're going to say, we found the problem and we fixed it and you're never going to have this issue again. And so they agreed to do that. They thought it was kind of crazy. But um, anyway, that's what they did. So and my son never had an issue again. And that was when he was 12. Okay. So he actually had a placebo heart surgery. Yeah. You know, the. Yeah, the power, and especially you know, in that setting, the authority, the authoritarian doctor looking in the eye, saying, "Yeah, we your heart's it. fine, it's everything's fine." Sick. Mm. And so, he's n- never, yeah. ever had an incident again. Mm. Isn't it so hopefully, he doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he won't. It's yeah. for women in their midlife, yeah. so I don't know if it'll be on yeah, uh, algorithms. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but isn't it interesting that? The placebo effect and what we focus on, we attract all of that. You know, you hear about those yeah. stories that sound like mm. miracles, but I guess it just yeah. does not hurt to believe. And Well, the proof's in the pudding there in the yeah, sense that he never absolutely. had another issue with his heart. So that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we all have a lot more uh, power to heal ourselves um, than we realize. Yeah. yeah, well, I think, you know, the body's innate ability to heal itself, but then taking that to a whole new level with mm. the mind and body working yeah, together. Yeah. Mm. And, and you know, that whole, as you're saying, the energy from the universe, from other people. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. 
Are you um, able to give sort of like a brief overview of the steps involved in manifesting and how, how you would get started? So for those people that would find it really daunting, like where on earth do mm-hmm. I begin? Like is, are there some simple steps that people can take? Well, to- step one would be to get Dr. McCall's Absolutely. Ball, but- <laughs> yeah, I would love to. Uh, I just have to warn you, brevity is not my strong suit, but I will do my best. <laughs> okay. Okay. So number one, I'm going to try and break it down easy peasy. So number one, I think the biggest key is just knowing what you want and defining it. Because a lot of people, you know, they, they get in very vague terms. What would you want? What would you like? And, you know, I just want to be happy. I think that's the thing. There's so much choice in this day and age, and I think that's one of the initial stumbling blocks. That's what I find. Yeah, and in defining it in vague terms doesn't really work because happy for one person might be, you know, to have a white picket fence and four children and be a housewife, and that might be somebody else's nightmare. So I think just really taking the time to just define what it is you want. Once you establish that, there seems to be this like incredible magical power of writing things down. I can't tell you how many times I've looked back in journals or places where I've written things down. And I'm like, wow, that actually happened. So I call it writing a vision statement. And it's also a way of communicating with the universe. Now we're going to get a little woo-woo here. I'm all for the and, woo Yeah, so just writing down as much detail as possible. And it's such an exciting process, too, that just you start buzzing when you start to imagine, let's say you're building your dream business, and, you know, you write about who are the people that are going to be coming in and out, who's going to be, you know, working in my team, where is it going to be located, what colors are the walls, what's the lighting like, and, you know, the more you you write it and, and you just get into the, the vibrational energy of it. And then it also, that becomes sort of like a roadmap. And whenever you're on that path and you're making big decisions, you just go back to your vision statement and make it aligned with your vision statement. Now, the next step is that we are visual beings. And I think a wonderful way to, to really make your dream come alive is through the use of vision boards, you know, that was sort of like the trendy thing a few years back. Uh, what I do now is I make vision movies. So, you know, just on your iPhone or whatever, the iMovie app, you get all these images from the internet and then like um, on them and then like a really big power song. And, you know, make a little movie of this reality that you're creating. And again, just and I think every time we, we see those images, it just goes into our subconscious. Eventually, our subconscious pulls us to, pulls the conscious brain to think, oh, this is reality. This is happening right now and helps to erode the inner skeptic. And, you know, the, to the subconscious mind, it doesn't really have a, a timeline. So it doesn't really care if this vision is happening in the in the present or the future it, so I think visually seeing your dream is very, very important. And now the next step, and this is where I'm just going to take a step away from the woo-woo because the, the planning and making a plan and actually doing the hard work. You want to be a famous writer. You can't just sit around and wait for the agents to call you or the magazines to call you. You have to get out there. It's the old-fashioned hustle. And I just always feel that if you keep yourself in action, it's so much better to be failing forward. And you might go down the wrong path, but somehow I think the universe 
you need to stay in action and sort of just rewards you and you just keep course correcting. But, um, you know, this is where I want to just, for the people who aren't so into the woo-woo, definitely, I don't want to give any illusion that it's just about like meditating and things falling out of the sky. I'm just talking about a way to take the old-fashioned hard work and make everything happen much faster, much smoother, in a much more enjoyable flow state. So, yeah, just creating a plan. And that can, one thing I like to do is I often just get a piece of paper or big poster board. In the middle, I put my dream or my goal. And then I just make all these like lines and bubbles, kind of like a mind map of sort of like my to-do list and who can help me and who do I contact and et cetera. And have, and just, you know, slowly checking off that um, to do this and just being in the vibra- vibrational energy of that happening. And then, then you start to attract uh, the right people and the right resources. So that's the planning phase. Then I think it's very important meditation. So it's, it's a way of just connecting with your spirit. So again, just staying connected with your, you know, your inner self and your spiritual self. And so meditation is also a way to just slow down the busyness in your brain, slow down the brain waves so we're not in that busy, busy, doing, doing, doing state. And also just slowing down the brain waves into the alpha state, which is helps you to get into your right side, your more creative self. Mm-hmm. And just slowing down the mind is, is very, very important. And then the next step, it is, it is related to the meditation, but it's about actually visualizing. So when you're in that meditative state, you actually visualize in technicolor that which you want to manifest. And even Einstein, he often says that imagination is much more important than knowledge. And he was a scientist that he, you know, most of those absolutely incredible scientific experiments and discoveries that he made, he made in his imagination. He would just close his eyes and, you know, visualize all this stuff happening and come up with these universal scientific quantum laws. So, yeah, visualization is very, very important. And in the visualization, you want to make everything in the present tense and to really connect with it, you know, to engage all the senses. Like, what does it feel like to have this reality manifested? What colors are you seeing? What sounds? What are people saying? To to actually engage all of the senses. And then a very, very important part of this visualization is engaging the emotional energy because it's really the emotions are emotions that carry the strongest vibrational magnetic charge. And so as we're visualizing, we we need to feel the emotional state as if that reality were happening right now. So if you're visualizing, again, let's just go back to that business example. How will I feel? How do I feel as an empowered, successful businesswoman? You, you hear know, a lot of athletes, you know, a lot of like we talked to a gold medalist just recently, Kerry Podhast, and, you know, a lot of athletes use that visualisation process, you know, how am I going to feel when I'm on the podium and how am I going to feel mm-hmm. when I'm in the race? And, yeah, very powerful. Yeah, and also they've also found with the athletes, they did this crazy experiment where they had a, a group of people 
visualizing lifting weights and then another group visualizing lifting weights and lifting weights. But they found that the people who did visualize lifting weights actually grew muscle tissue. Oh my so, gosh. Yeah, they do use it. Yeah. So they do use it with Olympic athletes, absolutely. And anyway, so that's, okay, so now we move on to the visualize. Now this next step sounds so simple, but it's actually very, very difficult. And this is removing, I call it removing emotional blockages. And this really comes down to just like healing yourself and removing, and I think a lot of this is just removing blockages so that you actually get to that point where you feel like you deserve this new and wonderful reality. And so it's all about emotional cleansing and weeding so out old you know, trauma. You hear about self-sabotaging behaviors. So that's where that comes from. Yes, getting rid of all that. So, I mean, it sounds elusively simple. And I mean, depending on your history, for some people, it's a lot easier than others. Yeah. You grew up in a very emotionally healthy family. Well, then obviously it's a lot easier. If you've had a lot of trauma, there's a lot of, a lot to remove. So yeah, so there's like a healing emotional cleansing. And I think it's, and this is where I developed uh, my whole other system. We can talk about another day, which is uh, metamorphic accelerated therapy, which is, you know, basically fast tracking that process. And it really, I mean, to simplify it, I mean, it really comes down to just loving yourself and prioritizing yourself. You know, not in a narcissistic way, healthy self-love. And that can be an incredibly difficult step for people, especially women. You know, I think our society grieves codependency in women somewhat, and it feels selfish to prioritize ourselves. But anyway, so that's a very important step. Now, the next step is surrender and letting go. And again, it sounds incredibly simple, but there's this really fine mind that happens when you really, really want something and you're, you know, you're focusing on it and, you know, doing all these steps and working towards it. And something really strange happens with the universe. It's almost like when you, it's not like you give up, but it's like when, when you get to that moment that you stop obsessing about it, you know, you still want it, but you stop obsessing about it. It's like when you, when you don't have a boyfriend you know, there's nobody around and then you, you know, get a boyfriend or husband, you fall mighty in love. Stop thinking about it. It'll happen. <laughs> yeah. Go, yeah, I know. And, you know, next thing you know, you have like it. 10 men knocking on your door. So yeah, there's, there's just getting to this point of saying, you know, okay, I've done the hard work. I've done this. I'm just going to let yes. it go and let things happen in their own way. And so there's a surrender. And so it's like still wanting it, but not obsessing about because there's something about if you're obsessing about it then you're actually creating the reality of the lack of having it yeah so it's almost like you own it enough like you are so confident or you feel it so present happening that you're not you almost stop thinking about it so that fine little line you know yeah that's that's the surrender part and I, i guess it's just like embodying it the vibrational energy and the emotional energy of that reality so much that you you can let go. And then when the and then the last step, which is basically just kind of like recycling back to the beginning, is just revise and revisit. And so when it does actually happen, you know, whether it's a little tiny manifestation or a big manifestation, it's about having gratitude and keeping a diary and a log. Um, because that really builds your manifesting confidence. If it's just, 
even the simplest thing like manifesting a parking spot or I do that, you know, <laughs> Rockstar Park, yeah, Rockstar Park, Rockstar Park. Yeah. yeah, and you, you know, write these little achievements down, and, and especially the bigger ones, and just remind yourself that you are a good manifester. And then I put revise because I, I did create like a new and bigger dream for yourself because we really are at our best when we're working towards something and working towards a passion and towards a purpose. So always giving yourself something, a new, a new challenge, a new goal. So when I say revise and revisit, you know, not to just like sit back and relax, but to find something else and just keep the, keep the cycle going. And, you know, eventually these 10 steps just kind of like, blend together and you don't even realise that you're mm. doing it. That was my next you know. question because I sort of presumably you wouldn't apply all these steps to sort of everyday life. It would have to be sort no, of the bigger yeah, like, events oh, that you're wanting. Have, yeah. Mm. And so how long, so for somebody that is wanting to start sort of embracing manifesting a lot more in, into their, in their lives, how long, I realise this is quite a difficult question, but how long does it take generally for people to start seeing the results? Well, I would say many manifestations could start happening right away in a month, say. I know I wrote in my book to practice with something small, and I have this silly example, and God knows why, I can't even remember, but somehow when I was in, you know, wondering, oh, did this really work, whatever, I decided to start manifesting capsules, you know, lip balm. And so I would just kind of visualize this this practice and I'm not kidding I started having lip balm coming at me like you know my dad like oh I got this lip balm from the golf course for free and you know showing up in my mailbox and promo stuff and that was pretty immediate but I think to be realistic if you're shooting for something like this I would allow at least a year yep yeah you know, some big life changing, like I'm going to change my career or open a new business or, yeah, yeah. you know. The bigger things. Find a new partner. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and, and obviously it takes commitment as well. Commitment, yeah. Mm. Dr. Because Mega, you're changing yourself a lot in the process. Yeah, true. I think too, um, in your book you mention taking a medical, Medication vacation, no, a meditation. <laughs> meditation, yes. <laughs> meditation vacation. And, and I think with manifesting and meditation, it's something that some people put off or get scared of because they think that they're not doing it properly. Like there's a certain way they have to do it or there's no point in doing it at all. Do you think that that's correct or do you think that you just got to jump in there and give it a go and tweak it as you go? Uh, yeah, well, that's why I love guided meditation. And, you know, I'd be happy to give your audience a guided meditation. Oh, wow, that'd be awesome. set up a link or something. Because uh, I'll be honest, I've done lots, I mean, lots of meditating. In every time, any place in the world, in any um, technique you can imagine. And, I mean, it's actually incredibly difficult to sit there and think of a mantra. So, you know, I have a pretty busy mind. So that's why I created guided meditation. So literally, just close your eyes and either myself or somebody else just guides you through this mental journey, you know, gets you into the meditative state. So mm. that's 
that's my solution to simplifying it. Well, that's exactly, they're the only ones I can do. And I, I think sometimes I feel yeah. like, oh, well, look, I'm not really doing it properly because I'm not sitting cross-legged, holding my hands a certain way and changing. <laughs> no, on, no, all or, that You stuff. know, and you think, well. No, it does know. not matter whatsoever. I mean, thank you, Dr. All Maker. meditation, <laughs> all meditation is, seriously, all it is, is it's just slowing down your brain waves. Yeah, you know, because when we're when we're in our busy, busy do state, we have these like really fast, short and fast uh, beta brain waves, and that's all in our logical frontal lobe, and you know, and that's like our ego and our you to-do know list. our educated mind, yeah, yeah. our to do list, right? And and we all spend a lot of time. It, we all spend a lot of time there, and so basically, meditation, all it is, is just slowing down your brain waves into that alpha or theta state. So, I mean, it doesn't really matter how you do it, but, yeah, you don't have to be yeah, I a, definitely in a special need, position I need on. to slow, the, slow yeah, my brain so down. Just, I'm not good at it. That's, that's why I really like the guided meditation. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah you know, true. someone does the work for you. Yeah. And, um, you know, and that it's also just that state. You know that state? Yes, before you fall asleep, that you're kind of like mm. dreaming, but not asleep yet. Yes. yes. Or when you wake up and you kind of like, you're not really, you're not you yet, you know, yes. you're educated stuff. And yeah, so meditation is basically like just getting into that state purposely. And it doesn't really even have to be very long. I mean, yeah. some of my most powerful meditations are just 15 minutes. Isn't that great? Because mm-hmm. I think sometimes you think, oh, no. Yeah, I get jumpy. It's got to be an hour. It's got to be this. It's got to be that. Oh, I couldn't lie, but, lie still for an yeah, hour. Yeah, but I do it as I'm falling asleep <laughs> and I think, oh, well, I'm asleep but it's still <laughs> happening in my subconscious. <laughs> Tick yeah, that box. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, Dr. Mika, over the years you have no doubt experienced your own miracles with Matisse or, you know, manifesting. And you mentioned earlier that you've had many testimonials sent through are there any particular besides your own journey that stand out and you go wow I've got lots of examples but um I think one that kind of sticks out for me is that um when I wanted to buy a new apartment a new home in Barcelona and anyway it's incredibly difficult to find a place with um green space you know we're used to in a city you know these big backyards oh, yes. and, and everything and and also the, you know, the market had gotten, you know, incredibly expensive. But anyway, so I decided to manifest and made a vision board and this, that, and the other, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, was like, you know, visualizing these places that at the time seemed way out of my budget. Yeah. And so I wrote out my vision statement and that's what I wanted. And, you know, did a vision board that I had like cut out pictures from magazines and everything exactly what I wanted, blah, blah, blah. Did my visualization. Anyway, so fast forward, I guess I'd sort of forgotten about the actual vision board and the, and the vision statement about, around that. So fast forward, like maybe eight months, I was um, walking down the street and I bumped into this lady by accident and she dropped her groceries and the bag broke and went flying everywhere. She was in this horrible mood and she was like blah, 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 like screaming at me and Catalan and I'm like oh my gosh I'm so sorry I'm so sorry let me help you with your groceries so anyway so I got you know what I could and it comes near her back to her place and um you know helped her for the groceries in the kitchen I was like oh my gosh I'm so sorry I'm so sorry anyway 
And then so Cindy just kind of relaxed a bit and we were chatting for a moment. And I'm just like, oh, what a lovely home you have, you know. And, and um, I look and this is like, you know, in, in the city and she had a backyard, you know. And I was like, wow, and look, you've got trees in a backyard, you know, when you live in a European city. Yeah. And she's like, yes, um, yeah, but um, I decided I'm going to sell this place because she had some kind of personal tragedies. And, and she's like, yeah, but I'm selling this and I'm moving back to wherever she was from. And I was like, oh, I was like, really? Well, so I started talking to her and said, you know, that we were sort of looking for a place and blah, blah, blah. So, Anyways, we got to talking and we ended up buying that apartment. So when we moved in and I was unpacking, I came across my vision statement, you know, where it's written. (laughs) So first of all, I'm reading and I was like, wow, like this is like really describing where we're at. And then I looked at the vision board and the photo of the backyard was the actual backyard. No way. Yeah. So she had... She had listed it two years previously, mm-hmm. but then um, took it off the market. So I had somehow found this real estate magazine, and that was the actual photo oh, that I used. Careful. Yeah, that I had used. Yeah, I mean, I get goosebumps just talking about it now. And I was just, and I was like looking at the photo, running to the back, and I was like, oh my God, this is the actual backyard mm-hmm. from my vision board. Do you I mean, still of all the... get shocked when things like that happen? Does it still? Yes, yeah. I do. I do. Wow. Especially when they're so obviously obvious and powerful that you just can't deny that there's been some design intervention. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Dr. Mika, we wow. are unfortunately running out of time. So oh we've gosh. already listened to you and your stories <laughs> and this process for so long. We've already so talked about getting you back to chat about the metamorphic accelerated therapy, but we do have a wrap-up wrap up question that we ask all our guests, and that is um, if you could travel back in time and advise yourself, what would the midlife Dr. Mika say to the doctor? Yeah, yeah. Sorry. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, oh no, you got it the other way around, but you had it perfectly right. <laughs> that's me that's got it the wrong way around in my own head. <laughs> Thanks, Trish. Okay. Um, would you say to Michelle Nielsen in her 20s? Yeah, I think I would just grab that, you know, wonderful, starry eyes, you know, ambitious young woman and just tell her that she's lovable and to just love herself more and prioritize yourself more beautiful awesome such good advice and you know it's it's all great and wonderful I mean I'm in a healing profession so obviously I'm empathetic and it's all great and wonderful to take care of other people and and everything but if it's just a one-way Three, you've got to recharge your own battery. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And you touched and, on that um, earlier yeah. as well about how, how as well. Yeah, so I think I would just tell her. Like that. Yeah, just to mm. get rid of that critical voice in her head and just love yourself, be yourself, own whoever you are, you know, however you express yourself. And yeah, just radical self-love and acceptance. Oh, Great message. Beautiful. Fiftitious, if you would like to know more about this remarkable topic and woman, please take a look at our show notes where we've popped links to Dr. Mika's website, audiobook, and socials. That's it from us today. 
You can follow us on Instagram at don'tgiver50 and email us at hello at don'tgiver50.com.au. Remember our gorgeous 50-ishers, life is for living, don't give a 50, because we're all 50 and awesome regardless of age and living is an absolute privilege. Thank you so much, Thanks Dr. so much, Mika. Dr. Mika. We'd love to have you back. Until and next also, time. I actually, you were going to tell us as well that you're also very clever and have an art show. Is that correct? Yeah, well, I, I started taking a break from left brain stuff. So, I yeah, put this little art show together. So. Love that. <laughs> well, we'll put details of your art show in the show notes as well. Thanks so much. Beautiful. Okay. Thank you, Dr. Mika. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.